We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. U.S. Bank wants to know how you reward yourself because they have cards that make every day more rewarding. Are you a points order, cashback guru, low intro APR lover? With U.S. Bank, it's up to you because they have the cards to fit your lifestyle. So earn more whether you're shopping at a gas station or a grocery store, even while planning a staycation. Learn more at usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast brought to you by Yahoo Fantasy Sports. I am Andrew Laird. Switching roles a little bit this week because Scott Jenstead got the week off. So I am joined uh, this week by Jerry Donabedian, who is uh, very popular for those who uh, read Rotowire. He, he publishes four articles a week, which is an absurd amount of work, I think, for anybody. But uh, most importantly for this uh, topic, uh, he does our DFS tournament strategy every week. Though I think his hidden stat line might be the best article we have on the site. So, Jerry, uh, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's good to be here. I uh, hope Scott's enjoying his week off. Uh, you're getting a slight downgrade here, but hopefully not too much. Hardly, hardly. Every I think we're all uh, we all know what we're talking about at least, so that that helps. Um, you uh, pr- are primarily a tournament player, so that's why you you write our tournament guide. Uh, do you want to just uh, explain a little bit how you? You tend to attack slates uh, on a week-to-week basis. Yeah, I mean, I've I really haven't played cash games at all in probably since maybe 2015. I want to say, uh, so yeah, I really really just focus on tournaments, uh, and you know, usually I don't play a huge number of lineups. Like, I, at one point, I would play like 40, 50 lineups, and you know, only put each one in a few few contests. Now, I usually tighten it down to like nine 
maybe 12 lineups, maybe even go as low as like three or six certain weeks, depending on the slate. Uh, yeah, and I usually, I, I don't try to like get exposure to a ton of different players and more of the mind that like, hey, I've got my bankroll. If my guys stink this week, like, you know, I'm just going to lose a certain percentage of it. Like I'm not, uh, I'm going to have those ugly weeks. Uh, last week was not one of my great weeks. Uh, so yeah, I do. I tend to hone in on maybe two two game stacks I like, and then uh, four or five running backs at most. Some weeks it'll really only be three running backs, uh, and then you know the wide receivers and tight ends. I maybe use a little more variation. Like you know, it's just a little. There tends to be a bunch of similarly strong plays at those positions. Yes, last week it felt like anyone who is mostly a tournament player didn't have a whole lot of success like when a bunch of chalk hits and hits like hugely like it did last week which was kind of unexpected at least when we were going into the week because it didn't seem like we had a lot of games that were expected to be high scoring there weren't actually that many high scoring games as there were just like individual players that absolutely crushed um it's a little uh top heavy this week um we have a 10 game slate because uh there's a a very early 9 9.30, I think, is the kickoff uh, a.m. Um, so we have 10 games on the slate. The uh, highest total is, shockingly, Chiefs-Texans um, at 54.5 the last time I looked on, uh, on FanDuel Sportsbook. But we also have Falcons-Cardinals at 51, uh, Niners-Rams at 50.5, and, and then Bengals-Ravens at 47.5, which 47.5 is usually decently high. That game has a... Um, a 12-point spread. So the uh, Ravens and the Chiefs at uh, 29 and change are the, have the highest implied total of the week. And then we've got uh, Seahawks-Browns at 46, and then three games at 44, at least what I saw before, was Saints-Jags, Eagles-Vikings, and Jets-Cowboys. Um, Cowboys were 7.5-point road favorites in that one. And then the ones that I think... Not many people are going to be targeting, but maybe you feel differently. We've got 41-point total for uh, Washington-Miami, and and then Tennessee-Denver is 40. Uh, those games just seem so gross to me, but maybe we can find some value in there at some point. So do you think everyone's on Texans-Chiefs this week? I, You know, I think that in a lot of weeks we would see really, really high ownership there. But, yeah, you mentioned that there's some other games. Uh, Atlanta-Arizona is definitely those like two teams have really been regardless of who they've been playing uh have been pretty high ownership games in terms of game stacks yeah both yeah. teams passing at a high rate uh not just overall but also like early in games so you know the the fact that they're bad leads to more passing but in terms of like their philosophy they're already throwing a lot both moving at a fast pace uh and atlanta's defense especially is like making a case to be almost like down in that like Miami tier of incompetence the last few weeks. <laughs> so I think that's going to actually like draw some ownership away from Mahomes and Watson and those guys to where like if you really, you know, if that's like the stack that you're really looking for, I wouldn't I wouldn't fade it based on ownership. I think we've got enough enough going on other places to take attention away from him. Okay. I like that. I like that. Um we'll obviously go a little deeper, but um later on but with this uh, Texans team we obviously had the giant Will Fuller game last week but it seems like we're three weeks into the this is the DeAndre Hopkins with Hopkins week so do you think it's on Hopkins week you know I it's like do you ever really I never want to bet against DeAndre Hopkins um 
I I think I would rather when the gap between him and Fuller has shrunk to what it is, and Fuller still is probably going to have similar ownership uh, based on that you know recency bias. Uh, I think that I do favor Hopkins. I'm not necessarily feeling like I need to play either. Uh, what we've seen with the Chiefs, kind of the same thing as last year. They give up a lot of points, uh, but they're really giving up a ton of points to running backs and then to receivers and tight ends over the middle of the field. Uh, they play at the outside corner spot, box, back spots with Charvarius Ward. Did I say that right? Uh, <laughs> I'm Charver- not going to call you out on that one. Not Charcondrick West, different, different guy. And uh, they've had some interesting names there. And Bashad Breland has been pretty good. Uh, so I think I think I would tend to lean towards Hopkins, but not really feeling a strong need to play either. Okay. Okay. Uh, because uh, I am running the podcast at least this week, and I'm mostly a cash game player, I'm going to start us in running backs only because um, that tends to be the, the initial uh, place to start. Um, because if you're, you know, if you're going to be team jam them in to get three high price running backs, or uh, maybe it's not a week for all three, but uh, we've got Ezekiel Elliott as the most expensive running back on, uh, on DraftKings. Um, I think he's actually first on FanDuel as well. Now that I've said that, um, yes, he is. So he obviously has this great matchup against the jets uh, who are getting Sam Darnold back. So theoretically they're a little more competitive Zeke's been a bit disappointing um, pretty much in every game. It feels like anytime he has a good game, it's more because of like some late bailout touchdown. Um, what do you think about Zeke this week? I don't love him. I think uh, I think to some extent we're still like the price is still kind of reflects his role in the second half of last season. Yeah. And in addition to getting 20 plus carries a game, he was also getting like eight targets per game. Like he was their number two pass catcher. Uh, What we've seen now, obviously, is like Michael Gallup, who we'll talk about more later. I'm very big on him this week, actually, is Michael Gallup has given them like that legit number two pass catcher, even co-number one uh, with Cooper. So, yeah, I think you just kind of have to adjust Elliott's target expectations downward back to like what we saw two years ago, which was more like four targets per game rather than seven. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think the price is just a little high. Granted, it's Ezekiel Elliott as a seven and a half point favorite against the Jets. But uh, I'm also and I, you know, I know you're a Jets fan. Don't want to get too excited, but I'm a little skeptical of that line. Like, the Jets are bad, but are they really that bad, or is Luke Falk really that bad? Like, <laughs> they're they're a bad team, right? But I think the difference between Falk and Darnold uh, is a lot. It's a lot of points per game, if for no other reason than like Falk just had no business ever being on an NFL team. Maybe. Yeah. No, I think that's a. I think that's a fair read. I still don't think seven and a half is like outrageous, um, just because the Jets really, even when. Darnold was healthy for all of that one game. Like, it's not like he was excellent against Buffalo. And I think, I mean, Buffalo's defense is probably better than Dallas's anyway, but, um, you know, he's been out for a few weeks. Uh, that game, um, as a Jets fan, will be horrible, but um, we'll see what, what Dallas does. But there's been talk uh, already in our subscriber uh, Discord about Alvin Kamara going to be really highly owned. He's 8,000 on DraftKings. I think he's going to be a popular cash game play. He seems to have a much better matchup than Dalvin Cook, who's at 8,400, um, homie in Philly. Do you think Kamara ends up being like the highest owned of these expensive guys? 
Yeah, I think he ends up being the highest owned. Uh, I think he's also the strongest play. He's yeah. the one that really stuck out to me. Uh, he's not necessarily someone that I like think of as a cash game play. He's generally been like a pretty high variance player. Uh, maybe a little bit less so this season. We also haven't like seen the huge blow up game from him. But yeah, I think I think what I said about Elliot is something that generally has been caught on to. Like, hey, he's not getting those targets. Uh, you know, he, the last two weeks he at least wasn't losing work to Tony Pollard anymore. Yeah. But yeah, I think with McCaffrey off the slate, like McCaffrey would be the guy, would be the high on cash play, even if he was facing like the two thousand Ravens or the eighty six Bears right now. <laughs> I mean, he's getting Kyle Allen is like only throwing the ball to him, uh, and they're also giving him twenty carries per game. But no McCaffrey, then I, I think I think Kamara is the default, and I think that's the right play. Though I'll also say that like you can go down fifteen hundred, two thousand in salary on DraftKings, not quite that much on FanDuel, and there's some guys that I think are like you know I would project for like only a few less points than Kamara. Uh, usually, I think cash game strategy does favor like stars and scrubs type construction this week like with McCaffrey off the slate and some underpriced mid-range receivers I could kind of see going in the other direction like a lot in that sort of RB2 WR2 uh, for using like season long terms price range yeah it's funny you say that because when I uh, first put my lineup together I kind of didn't have Camara because I wanted to see like what I could get without him and then I went and put him in. And there are like a number of running backs, I think that are worth consideration in, in cash games where it's one of those, like you said, it's nobody here is, is McCaffrey. And so it probably takes like a giant game from Camara to really hurt you. Granted, he is in a decent spot for that huge game, but even guys like slightly cheaper, like Nick Chubb, I think is perfectly fine. Uh, Fournette on the other side of the Camara game, I think is good. And even going further down, like you can make a case for uh, Henry or Carson, even even though I, I can't stand rostering uh, Chris Carson because it feels like I get him wrong every time. But uh, do you find any one of that group um, worthy of at least, or, and my gosh, I forgot my, my guy myself, Le'Veon Bell. Um, do any of those guys kind of jump out at you? Yeah, it's funny you said that you hate Chris Carson. He's he is someone that has also bothered me a lot <laughs> in terms of like when I've played him, I've been so disappointed, and when I haven't, been like mad at myself. Like God, he was such an obvious play. So this obvious, week. yeah. <laughs> He's twenty seven percent owned. Everyone else is getting those thirty points. Uh, yeah, so I do feel like I've been a little off on him in the past. But just looking at the way, looking at his price, uh, the way Cleveland's defended the run. And the usage that he had last week against the Rams, I think he was up at like 80% of snaps. Uh, CJ Procease completely disappeared. Rashad Penny, I think, had like one or two targets and a handful of carries. I think Carson, to me, is the guy that really, like, in terms of just pure point per dollar uh, projection, that he's the one that stands out to me as the number one. And then kind of Bell, Fournette, and Kamara are in that same range. Uh, I think Frenette scares me because the Saints have been so good against the run the past couple of years. Yeah. But you just look at the fact that he never comes off the field. Uh, and that even with like, even with only one touchdown and all those yards in five weeks, like his per game output is kind of crushing this salary. Uh, so, you know, he doesn't need a touchdown. He can still get way beyond this. Yeah. I think, I think really all those guys are good options. Like I, I, I favor Carson right now, but it's, it's kind of all the same idea. 
the uh, the one guy I skipped in this group because uh, he's in my dummy lineup here is the guy from your team, Mark Ingram, uh, who I feel like is the total opposite of of Fournette in terms of um, the volume really isn't there, uh, but the production is. And so he's got this great matchup at home against Cincinnati, and I feel like Ingram's another one. I don't actually ever uh, dislike playing Carson. I just, I mean, excuse me, Ingram, like I do Carson, but like, I just don't play Ingram enough. And it's one of those games where everyone's like, no, Ingram's in a good spot. And I'm like, yeah, he is. But like, is he really going to do enough with 14 carries? And then you look down and he's like 14 for 120 and a touchdown. And it's like, oh, I guess he is okay. So is 6,600 too much this week? Like you didn't really mention him and plays for your Ravens. So where, where do we, where do you fall on him? So for me, I'm like, yeah, he's like the opposite of Bell and Fournette. With Bell and Fournette, you're like, okay, they're going to be on the field every play. They're playing the, you know, the Saints and the Cowboys, uh, and they've had some some issues with their blocking on their teams. So you're kind of like, you don't feel good about the matchup, but you know they're never coming off the field, uh, and they're going to catch passes. Ingram's like the opposite. Like You know that he's going to lose some snaps to Edwards and some touches to Edwards and Justice Hill. Uh, you know that he's probably, you know, three, four targets is like his ceiling there. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he's home as what is it, an 11-point favorite. Uh, uh, I had 12, actually. 12 <laughs> as a 12-point favorite. Yeah, I'll be, I'll be at the game. But uh, a 12-point favorite against a defense that's basically for like two or three years running now has up there with the Falcons has been like the most generous to running backs, uh, you know, giving up five yards a carry and like something ridiculous, like eight yards per target since the beginning of last season. So yeah, with Ingram, it's like the matchup is just the situation's perfect. But in terms of cash games, I you know I would tend to favor those guys who can survive like with any kind of game script. Game script, like let's say the Bengals do keep it closer than we expect, uh, that's you know probably going to lead to a huge game for Lamar Jackson, whether it's passing or rushing. I think the Ravens, you know, when they're in tough times, they tend to kind of go back to leaning on Jackson. Uh, ideally, they would like to use more Ingram and Edwards and not have the franchise quarterback taking a million hits. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I think I, I view Ingram, it might seem kind of weird, but more, is more of a tournament play, really, than as a cash game play. Although, like I said, I pretty much only play tournaments. Uh, so, for me, he's, he's definitely in consideration this week. Okay. Um, we are the Friday podcast uh, of the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, but we are taping this on Thursday, so we don't have quite as much of the injury uh, updates that we normally do. But the two guys that we're kind of monitoring are David Johnson and Todd Gurley, uh, neither of whom kind of jumped out at me as must plays this week. Uh, Johnson's at 7,600 on DraftKings. Gurley is tempting a little bit at 6,200 since they've been giving him the usage uh, a little bit, but how are you uh, viewing those guys or that situation if those guys don't play? Well, Chase, if if David Johnson doesn't play, Chase Edmonds is like your your like free square, like needs to be in every cash game lineup, every tournament lineup. You know, they don't they don't really have like a third guy there anyway. Mm -hmm. um, and we've seen Edmonds be at least pretty good with the work he's gotten. See, I think his price is down at like 4,600 on DraftKings. And we'll be talking about a three down roll against the Falcons defense. Uh, Malcolm Brown, maybe a little more if Gurley's out, maybe a little more complicated there uh, just because the 49ers defense has looked so dominant. 
Uh, granted, the 49ers have had like four straight favorable matchups to yeah. start the season. Uh, and based on what we saw in the first few weeks with Darrell Henderson, like not even being involved, I think you're probably not going to pass up, Mal- you know, the Rams starting running back. Who cares? You know, it doesn't matter. Malcolm Brown, gen- most generic NFL running back you'll ever see. But, you know, starting running back in that offense with not much competition uh, at his price. Yeah, and I, I, in terms of Gurley or David Johnson, I, they, they aren't the guys that jumped out at me this week, even though Gurley did get back to, like, his 2017-18 usage last week in Seattle with 93% of snaps. Uh, he looks He just looks not good. Mm-hmm. And the blocking hasn't been as good. I think if we were guaranteed 93% of snaps again, I would want him in my lineup at that price just based on the usage. But, you know, it's the first time that it's happened this season. So I think there's a decent chance, especially now that we have the, the quad or thigh injury, that if he does play, he maybe drops back to that 70% snap range and 15 or so touches or possibly even lower if the quad is a real, real concern that's like limiting his effectiveness. Yeah, I don't even love like I understand the Edmonds like free play, but like I don't even love playing Johnson. Like even if he, like when he was cheaper or like last week, everyone's like, "Oh, you got to play him," and I did, but because like it makes sense when you're playing Cincinnati, and he, he was fine. Like I feel like David Johnson is always just fine, which I guess for cash games generally is okay because you're not looking for like these explosive scores. But it's just like I'm like torn here because like it, the. I feel like I keep playing the situation of like the Arizona running back who's basically being used as a wide receiver, but I'm just never overly excited about David Johnson. And it's been like years now that he's been good. And yet we're all like still caught up. You're like, no, 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 he's a really good player. Um, but we just haven't gotten the, the great performance that we're looking for. But uh, going down the salary list here, uh, do you want to tempt the Kansas city backfield at all? Oh, actually, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take you back one second. I actually don't think David Johnson is a really good player. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, I think I think he's a guy. I think he had a great season, um, but I haven't. Like, I think he's a good. I think he's a useful NFL starting running back because he's so good as a pass catcher. But like his running ability, we haven't really haven't seen it in a few years. And it's like you know you get the excuse of the blocking, but he's still below four yards per carry. Right. Uh, maybe after last week, he's above that finally. Like, yeah, in terms of, like, any sort of looking at, like, advanced stats, like, broken tackles, yards after contact, uh, he looks like he should be great, but he's not. But, yeah, I mean, you know, with this stuff, it's, like, especially with DFS, like, for running backs, volume is so much more important than talent anyway. Like, Kamara kind of transcends that. McCaffrey, to some extent, although he also, like, happens to be getting way more volume than anyone else. So that's, (laughs) that's convenient. But, yeah, like, with any of these guys, I'm, like, you know, more just more just trying to figure out the volume. Yeah. Um, so yeah, to the to the Kansas City guys, and I actually kind of want to mix them in with they're in this kind of price tier right below Chris Carson, and Carson looks so much better than the guys we're about to talk about because they all seem to be splitting touches. So we've got the Kansas City combo with Williams and McCoy. Um, Philip Lindsay is there uh, at fifty three hundred. Um, he's sharing work in the Denver backfield. Matt Breida is obviously coming off this monster game uh, on Monday night against um, Cleveland, except he still only had 11 carries and three catches on three targets. And so um, these are all Jordan Howard. I want to throw in, although that matchup at Minnesota is not, not really something I feel a lot of people are going to be going after. So 
what do you do with this group? Do you generally just avoid them or do you try to choose one and just hope that that's the guy? Yeah, that's like that sounds like the the fade group for me. <laughs> All right. I I like Damian Williams in terms of like season long. I actually just published my uh matchups column Thursday morning and put him as an upgrade cuz Houston has been very generous to pass catchers out of the backfield. Uh, and Williams in his first game back on Sunday against Indianapolis. I think this kind of went under the radar because everyone was focused on so many other interesting things happening in that game. Uh, but he played 55% of snaps, 56 actually. Uh, and he got, I think, 12 of the 14 touches that went to running backs. And then McCoy and Daryl Williams played like 22% each. Uh, so I know that's been like a source of frustration for some people like Damian Williams uh, you know, he's not not a, not an especially talented runner, and he's at, like, two yards per carry this season. But I think we just, like, continue to have this overwhelming body of evidence that, like, this is the guy Andy Reid trusts to pass block and run routes, mm-hmm. and know the assignments, and that he doesn't really care about, like, the running because that's not, not what he's relying on to move the ball. Uh, but, yeah, I think with, you know, with all the guys you mentioned, it's, like, Brita, really good player, but three-way timeshare. Like, if, it, if we didn't also have – if it was just him and Coleman, maybe I could make the case. But then you also have, like, Mostert mixing in yeah. a little bit. And then it's just, like, yeah, you kind of need – like, you you need that really long play like we saw last week. Uh, and Jordan Howard, uh, someone who I'm kind of generally optimistic on based on taking a larger share and being effective with it in recent weeks. But at Minnesota, you know, with the, I think the implied total there for the Eagles is, like, 20.75. Vikings are allowing like 3.7 per carry. Uh, it's just that's just a really, really tough spot for him. For sure, for sure. Uh, the question that I want to ask now, which is one I was hoping I would never have to ask again, but here we are. Is it an Adrian Peterson week? Um, yeah, man, you know, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think I asked myself that question and then I was like, you know what? I didn't really want to ever discuss this guy again. So I'm just going to, I'm going to deal with this. Like, you know, maybe Sunday morning at like 9am I'm going to be like, do I have a lineup where he makes sense? So I guess that's kind of where I'm at is like, if I'm making one of these like tournament lineups where I'm like, you know, trying to, trying to make like, maybe I'm doing like a chalky stack and then I'm trying to make up for it with like a, unique kind of lineup structure else elsewhere like maybe i'm paying way down at tight end and flex and way up at running back to get like kamara and elliot just because i think that's a thing you're gonna see very few people do this week then maybe i start talking myself into adrian peterson but yeah you kind of hinted at it it's like what am i doing i'm I'm talking myself into doing something i don't actually want to do yeah exactly that i mean you're going in knowing you shouldn't and you're working your way into this is why I should do this thing that I know I should not do, which I feel like just really doesn't work out ever. Um, thankfully, we've got Edmonds $100 more if Johnson doesn't play. So that's like even more reason that I'm really hoping he doesn't just so I'm not even tempted at Peterson at 4500 right. Although, I mean, we've got Kenyon Drake 100 bucks less than that too. You tempted there? That's that's the one that I'm interested in. Okay. And that's another guy who I actually put uh, wrote about in my matchups column that I finished. Uh, yeah, I think you look at him and like, again, one of these things that kind of goes unnoticed because there's so many other things that stick out about Miami, but going into their week five bye, he had three games in a row with at least five targets and six carries. Didn't do a ton with that, but he also wasn't facing the Washington defense. Mm -hmm. I think you look at like the Miami's probably not going to be able to run the ball all season. Just looking at 
their offensive line. Like you can't project Drake for a huge rushing yardage total. Uh, But they should have some success throwing the ball. And Washington's linebackers have been god awful in coverage. Uh, So that's probably, you know, well, they're outside cornerbacks. Norman is struggling, but Quentin Dunbar has been good. uh, And he'll be mostly on Preston Williams. So I think I was initially drawn to Preston Williams out of like all the ugliness in this game based on his target volume before their bye. Uh, Once I started looking into like, you know, the matchups, like, on a sort of micro level, saw, like, oh, he was going to be going against Quentin Dunbar more, who's been playing well. Not to say that should totally scare anyone away from Preston Williams, but I think Kenyon Drake is really going to be the one with the clear advantage over the guys he's running routes against uh, and the portion of the defense that he's going up against, mostly. Well, thank goodness. That's now another guy that I'm happily take over over Peterson, so I don't have to go down that, that road. Um do you actually, I mean, Chris Thompson's a little bit above these guys at 5,000. Do you think there's enough work for him? I mean, last week, uh, targeted seven times, caught five of them, but only 17 yards. Uh, first time he's been under double digit points. Uh, any, any thought for my, against Miami? Well, I, I love Chris Thompson as a player. I feel like everyone loves Chris yeah. Thompson. Right? Do you, you love Chris Thompson? How could you not? Yeah, everyone loves, like, I'm like, please trade this guy to a real team. Like, he could be, like, the Jaguars can stop pretending like it's a good idea to have Leonard Fournette on the field in third and 12 with his, like, <laughs> brick hands and disinterest in blocking. Like, but, um, yeah, I th- I'm just kind of confused with the Redskins because the, they've got the offensive line coach, Callahan, is taking over as the head coach, right? And he's been their run game coordinator as well, which, like, their running game's averaging, like, even after that 65-yard uh, end-around touchdown, they're like 27th in the league in right. YPC or something. So like, the run game has been a disgrace, even more so than their past game. So interesting choice for starters for your, to take over as your head coach, uh, someone who's already doing their job poorly. Uh, but then, yeah, he's kind of came in and he's talking about running the ball more and like you know emphasizing that, and that's what all the Washington beat people are saying. Uh, but then I saw like someone, I think it was Warren Sharp, pointing out on Twitter, like Washington's run play rate on – like early first downs in the first half of games is like third or fourth highest in the league. Like they've been trying to run the ball. Mm-hmm. The problem is that they end up down by three touchdowns every game and they end up in second and nine. Like their pattern has been first and 10 run stuffed pass, pass, punt or pass <laughs> interception. So like it's not like they philosophically, it's not like they've been this insanely pass heavy team. Like Jay Gruden was making an effort to run the ball. It just, wasn't working at all uh and you look at like some of their opponents with like facing the eagles already just hasn't really been like great matchups for that Mm -hmm. some kind of i'm skeptical it's like i'm skeptical of chris thompson because i do think that like sometimes there is these coaches like especially like an old-fashioned coach like callahan they love these cliches about like running the ball more even if that just means like running on second and nine and then like passing on third and seven Mm -hmm. uh and then at the same time, I just don't trust Peterson because uh, he's really old. Their line is bad, and they just have a bad offense. But other than that, he's great. <laughs> but other than that, I mean, yeah, he won. He is like he won the MVP award like seven years ago. Yeah, so. yeah. can't take that away from him. Um, any running backs we did not hit that you, that jumped out at you? Uh, one guy who I kind of teasing me a little bit here is Devonta Freeman at the Cardinals. Uh, a little, you know, the price, I kind of was like, okay, he's playing the Cardinals, fast-paced game. 
you look at he's basically had in terms of the total touches has had like a two-thirds in the in the four games Edo Smith has played it's been like Freeman with 65% of the touches and Edo Smith with 35% uh, and we saw Freeman have a really productive game especially pass catching last week against the Texans but on the other hand, Edo Smith has four of the five inside the five carries, and Dan Quinn actually mentioned this past week that he likes Edo Smith down there at the goal oh, line. Oh. Something like he's small, like he's good at like sneaking through like the creases. I don't, I don't know. I thought co- usually coaches like a bad heavy running back over. Yeah, totally. <laughs> at the goal line, and like I don't think that makes sense either. But anyway, it's, it's you know it doesn't really matter what makes sense. It's, so then I'm like, well, do I really want to pay 5800 on DraftKings for a guy who's losing a third of his touches and his goal line work uh, and is on a team that is, you know, pass heavy? So struggling with that a little bit there. Maybe I'm maybe I'm still like too attached to the idea of like Devonta Freeman, 5800. Like it still feels novel based on like two or three years ago. <laughs> it does seem like you fall towards him just with a matchup where you're like, all right, who's Arizona playing this week? And then you see Freeman and you're like. Uh, all right, how can I? How, what's the real case for Freeman? And then you dive into it, and you're like, this really isn't nearly as attractive as I thought it was going to be. Yeah, Chris Carson's like 200 right. more in salary. He's got a tougher matchup, but he's also got a higher percentage of the workload on a better team. Mm-hmm. And he's, mm-hmm. he's a better player at this point in their respective <laughs> careers. That so. too, yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, before we uh, jump into the other positions, quick message from Sideboss. Hey, football fans, week six of the NFL season is here, and lucky for you, Sideboss has you covered. If, you're missing, if you missed entering the Sideboss Pro Pick'em Contest, it's not too late to join week six and still be eligible to win weekly and quarterly prizes throughout the season. In addition to our Pro Pick'em Contest, where players choose five games against the spread each week, Sideboss is currently offering prop contests for quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Play any Sideboss weekly or daily free-to-play games, get all the picks correct, and boom! Win cash and entry into the Sideboss $150,000 Private NFL Against the Spread Contest. Go to contest.sideboss.com and use promo code ROTOWIRE. So you mentioned earlier that you see a game script where this Ravens-Bengals game is closer than expected, and they go to just look at Lamar and say, please save us. So is that enough at 6,900 to play Lamar Jackson? Uh, I don't have a final answer there. I guess one, you know, we have seen that in all kinds of different game scripts, he's been productive. Yeah. Um, the the thing for, as a tournament only guy, I did, I used Lamar in one lineup last week and I actually just went like naked Lamar, mm-hmm. which I really, I think it's the first time I've done that all season, and I'm not sure if I've done it, if I did it even once last year. I think I did Naked Lamar like one week last year. Um, it's kind of weird. I'll stop saying Naked Lamar. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, like usually even if I'm using a quarterback who gets a lot of his production on the ground, I think it makes sense to use a pass catcher. But like Marquise Brown uh, is, you know, he's getting the, getting that number one receiver usage, but like in an offense where there's nothing else to worry about. And I've just seen defenses playing so far off him and like challenging him to beat them on intermediate routes, which mm-hmm. is like kind of what the Ravens have him running a lot of times because it's what's there and because they have no one else to do it. I think there's just like some sort of some holes in that Baltimore passing game where you're just asking Marquise Brown and Mark Andrews to do everything. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's not my favorite play this week. Uh, but I do think that you'll see like 
you know, I guess Mark Andrews is feels a little more playable this week. His price has dropped. Of course, he's also added a shoulder and foot injury. Uh, so it's it's something I'm thinking about, but I I'm still just hesitant to use a quarterback when I don't like the prices on any of his pass catchers. Uh, maybe maybe Lamar is like more of a cash game play just because you kind of figure one way or the other he's getting to 20 fantasy points against the Bengals. Yeah, solo Lamar. I'll use that term. Um, definitely. That's much much better. <laughs> it's a family show after all. Um, yeah, it's definitely easier to play him by himself on in cash games than than GPPs just because you don't necessarily need the correlations there. Um, obviously, the NFL has figured Patrick Mahomes out, so paying 7500 for him is outrageous. Um, but where do you fall in the 7500s on DraftKings, Mahomes versus the 6700 Deshaun Watson? Uh, Mahomes, yeah. I think even, even when the NFL figured him out, he scored, right? He went over 20 DK points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... His ankle is fine. He was full full practice participant Wednesday. I guess I guess in terms of like tournaments, I think I'm waiting to see if Tyreek Hill comes yeah. back. I do think that's like a lot to pay for a quarterback without his number one receiver. Uh, and while he did still have you know solid fantasy games the last two weeks, like we have seen that, yeah, maybe maybe Tyreek Hill and his like 11 yards per target and like touchdown every single week does matter to the Chiefs' offense. That like. Patrick Mahomes and then like Andy Reid smoking mirrors and Travis Kelsey, you know, is good enough to be the best offense in the league, but it's not good enough to be, you know, way better than the second best offense. Uh, I think I'm a little skeptical of Watson and for tournaments, I think, I think he'll be pretty, pretty highly owned after what happened last week. He's kind of a guy who's always been inconsistent uh, and not just him, the Houston offense as a whole. And Bill O'Brien does like to run the ball and sort of mentioned earlier that the Chiefs, their real weakness has been against the running game and against running backs in the passing game. Granted, their offense is good enough where sometimes it forces teams out of that and then we do see bigger production from the wide receivers and tight ends. But in terms of like the per carry, per target efficiency dating back to last season, really it's the running backs the Chiefs have been vulnerable to. I guess we should go back then because we actually didn't even hint at Carlos Hyde or Duke Johnson. But like, I, <laughs> I can't possibly get myself to play either of those guys. I hate to say it. Yeah, I think I feel like they're they're both like they're both like solid flex plays in the season long league. I don't <laughs> I don't really see the upside for like beyond like fifteen seventeen fantasy points right. with them because like O'Brien is is very clearly like in all game scripts this year we've seen them both getting like half the snaps. Like he's pretty clearly committed to that. Like you might get a week where Hyde gets twenty carries because they get ahead. And they just run him a bunch in the fourth quarter. But yeah, I think that they're, you know, you're not gonna see Hyde get many targets and you're not gonna see Johnson get many carries. Uh, and Hyde, the guy who's getting all the carries, is not not really a, a threat to break off a run more than 20, 25 yards. So yeah, I think it's just you're you're talking about limited ceiling and also not great floor. So it's usually not a winning combo. <laughs> it's one of those tough combinations where I feel like by the end of the season we're gonna see We'll be like, oh, the Texans were like one of the best running teams in the league, and then, but the problem is that like neither running back is like in the top twenty um, because yeah, just, it's such a split. In terms of like rush offense DVOA, like you know, efficient, like and pretty much any other like EPA type efficiency metric, yeah, they're up there in the top ten. Um, it's just been that, yeah, it's been a mix of Hyde Johnson and then also Watson running the ball. 
uh, yeah, I think they are a decent running game. And I think Hyde is like, he'll be a solid, he'll probably put up like, you know, good, a decent like point per salary production this week, but just hard to see it being anything too exciting that like you want in a tournament winning lineup. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so who, who's next kind of on your list? Because I feel like I can't believe I'm saying this, but when you look at, you know, we've got Russell Wilson at Cleveland, uh, Kyler Murray and Matt Ryan are right next to each other. Price wise Prescott against the jets, um, Goff at home against the 49ers. And I'm looking at these guys and I think to myself, these guys are definitely better than, uh, Gardner Minshew, but he's $5,000. And so from a point per dollar perspective, is there anyone better than Minshew? No, I think you, I think that's the cash game play. I mean, that was like the, I was, I, when I was scrolling, when I did like my first scroll through the prices on Monday, I wasn't even, you know, I wasn't, Gardner Minshew was not really on my mind. He <laughs> usually is, but right, of in course. this case, when we're talking about like DFS, yeah. not so much. And then I eventually saw him like below Kirk Cousins. Like, why, why is it that low? Like his, look at what his production's been. Uh, this season and look at the fact that the Saints have given up the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks you know that's one of those like slightly misleading volume based statistics Uh, they're not the second worst pass defense by any means but yeah I mean 5,000 he's playing really well uh, and he the first his like first three games his average target depth was was really low like around six or seven uh, and that kind of invited some skepticism just in terms of his upside like he might just be one of those guys who completes like two thirds of his passes for seven yards per attempt. And that, you know, we see DD Westbrook and Leonard Fournette producing and maybe Chark like falls back to earth. But the last two weeks, his target depth was up to like over 10 yards in back to back weeks. Mm-hmm. DJ Chark, obviously still killing it. Also priced very, very yeah, up yeah. low on DraftKings for a guy who's like fifth in wide receiver scoring this season and has yet to have a bad game. Uh, so yeah, I think in terms of like tournaments, even uh, it's a, it's a little hard to like get behind Minshew because you see like Murray, Ryan, Watson, Jackson, Mahomes all in like good spots to put up points, and you're like, there's no way that it's not one of those guys who's the leading QB scorer of the week, or maybe Prescott. But like Minshew could give you you know 90% of that at 75% of the price, uh, and he his stacking. We already talked about Kamara being one of the top plays at running back. Uh, and his stacking partner, the obvious one, Chark, being underpriced, it's like leads to a pretty nice little lineup construction there. For sure. I mean, I think this is you can play that in cash like that. Yeah, like, absolutely. You generally don't kind of focus on stuff like that for cash, but I mean, they all kind of make sense individually, and so they just happen to have the correlation. But like, I not that I was necessarily looking for him as well, but to see him under like Darnold and Cousins and Bridgewater and Dalton and barely ahead or the same price as, as Case Keenum and barely above Mario. Like, it's just a total slap in the face. I want somebody to tell him that he's in this group because I feel like he's the kind of guy who would be uh, motivated enough to uh, to take that. But um, of the non-upper tier guys and non-Minshew, um, do you see enough points out of guys like either Goff or Garoppolo or Wentz to um, to justify them, or or do you find 
Kyler and and Matt Ryan worth looking like Ryan's the one like I played Ryan last week in cash a bunch of people did the matchup this week is just as good he's obviously more expensive uh but do you do you think he's even worth going because you have the the upper tier guys are kind of only 2 to 300 away and is he that much better than the Goff and Garoppolo group yeah, I think I'd, I lean toward Ryan uh, or Prescott or Murray if you're looking in that range over the – I the, with Goff, I just – the 49ers defense has been so good. Yeah. And I never mentioned they haven't played anyone, but, like, there is definitely some predictive value in, like, being totally dominant against bad teams. Like, probably just as much as just, like, holding your own against good teams. I guess with the Patriots, we have a little bit of the same issue where, mm-hmm. like, numbers are just out of this world – and they faced absolutely no one. But that is, you know, historically a pretty good indicator of at least being very good, maybe not elite. Um, so, yeah, I'm just with Goff and then Cooks possibly being out. Uh, I do I do like Malcolm Brown as the play just based on volume if Gurley's out. Uh, and I do find Robert Woods interesting at his price. It feels a little low if uh, Brandon Cooks is out mm-hmm. especially. But, yeah, I think and also with Garoppolo, it's like, the Rams defense I know has been bad the past two weeks, but it's like, it's still basically all the same players that has, they've been a very good defense with for like two and a half years now. So I'm just kind of, you know, skeptical that that's really like a a matchup where regularly going to be able to target. Uh, Maybe, maybe, you know, maybe drop low will force me to reconsider, but I'm also a little worried about what that whole like what that's going to look like in the first time this season where they've actually needed him to do something like yeah. they've just won with the running game and defense playing bad teams so far uh and i'm i don't know i don't necessarily have an opinion on it like the drop low is gonna stink it up i just i feel like i don't really know okay okay uh are you tempted at all by case keenum or josh rosen uh no <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, like, initially, like, yeah, I just have that sort of, like, morbid fascination with that game. I'm like, ooh, Preston Williams at 3,900? Yeah. Adrian Peterson, he's the cheapest starting running back on the slate. Like, Josh Rosen, like, he could still be good. Like, he hasn't really, you know, he hasn't really had a fair chance yet. But, like, now it's all just, <laughs> it's, it's sure. I might be right about, like, one of those seven things, but I don't know. I don't know. I don't know which. And like you said, man, Gardner Minshew, 5,000 against a team that's giving up the second most fantasy points to quarterbacks. Like, if I'm going to if I'm gonna go away from those, like, high-priced guys, like, I'm just going to go right to Minshew and, like, not mess around with any of the, any of the crazy stuff. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, any interest in a Baker Mayfield bounce-back game? Not something that I'm going for in DFS, something that I kind of think will happen. But I also think, like, we're going to – neither of these teams, Seattle and Cleveland – is really like a fast-paced team. Mm-hmm. Both teams have really tried to run the ball, uh, except for Cleveland when they've been forced to abandon it when they've fallen behind. But in terms of like neutral situations, both have run the ball at a high rate. So I think we're going to see Mayfield bounce back. Like he's not going to make a fool of himself like he did last week. Uh, but in terms of like someone that I really want in a DFS lineup now, I think it's going to be more like you know 250 yards decent efficiency one or two touchdowns and we really haven't seen him with like any kind of rushing stats in a while now 
so yeah, I'm kind of thinking the the Seattle defense has done a really poor job of pressuring QBs. So I think from that perspective, uh, even though the Seattle defense overall has maybe played a little bit better since the first couple of weeks of the season, I think from that perspective, it's going to be a little more manageable for Mayfield. And Seattle has struggled a little bit covering the middle of the field. Uh, so maybe Landry with a decent game. But yeah, like like I just said, like I'm either I'm either paying up or I'm going with Gardner. So mm-hmm. it's doesn't doesn't leave a ton of room for like nuance in that middle range for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um... Before we jump into the actual pass catchers, a uh, quick note from Yahoo. The NFL season is officially underway, which means Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football is back. There's a million reasons to enter the free Yahoo Cup on Daily Fantasy, and they're all dollars. That's right. Yahoo Cup is free to enter, and a perfect lineup will win you $1 million every week of the football season. It's as easy as entering the contest and picking your players. If you're over 18 and a U.S. citizen, there's no reason why you shouldn't take your shot. Yahoo Daily Fantasy Football has new contests every week with guaranteed cash prizes, and even if you don't score a perfect lineup, you can still walk away with the game, walk away from a game with a little cash. So choose Yahoo Daily Fantasy today. Get started at yahoo.com/dailyfantasy. So we have a cheap running or a cheap quarterback that I'm obviously going to play with Adrian Peterson. So I have all this money to spend up on wide receivers. Uh, we don't. I mean. I feel like we have seen enough from cheaper guys that I don't necessarily need to pay up. Uh, but we've got Julio Jones against the Cardinals if he um, is healthy enough to play. Michael Thomas is coming off his huge breakout. Uh, last week, he's against Jacksonville. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, we mentioned earlier. And then we still have great matchups with like Amari Cooper against the Jets, Tyreek Hill if he comes back. Uh, Odell Beckham is about as cheap as you you found him in a while. Adam Thielen, those are like the top, uh, what is that, eight guys on DraftKings. Do any of them feel like you need to play them? Um, you know, either obviously in a stack or kind of as one-offs. Yeah, I mean, you know, you kind of run through that list. And I'm like, yeah, I want to, like, I don't, maybe don't need to play them. Like, yeah, I kind of want to play Hopkins there. Yeah, I kind of want to play Julio there. Like, who looking at Beckham's <laughs> price, like Seattle's, secondary isn't good anymore uh but then like i go down further and i'm like ooh, like look how like portland so like all the second year breakout guys yep. chark sutton gallup seem underpriced uh even some like veterans like emmanuel sanders seem robert wood seem a little cheap so yeah i think it's it's funny because i feel like based on like the pricing algorithm on DraftKings and FanDuel really like usually it's like the running back prices where i'm like oh man like that's a steal like this week like that's really you know, those are the guys I'm excited about. But this week, it seems like maybe part of that is just like the recency bias of last week with so many wide receivers going off. But yeah, I feel like it really the upper and middle price points there that there's just like so many, so many good options that'll probably for tournament, you know, being a tournament guy, like my strategy will be to just kind of have a pretty big list based it on based on like stacks and correlations there and then sort of just fill in as fits around like as for cash games, like, uh, good luck. I don't know. I don't know how you get that out. <laughs> I mean, it's possible they're all good. So, and if they are all good and you have one, then you're probably fine if you have two of them uh, because you can pay down with uh, Chase Edmonds or something like that, then even better for you. But um, I guess I skipped Cooper Cup in that group as well. Uh, do you think Cooks' potential absence helps Cup as much as it theoretically should? just because there are, there are available targets or you just think he's already at max capacity at this point? 
he's probably at max capacity. I mean, like, yeah, he is in terms of like he's averaging what twelve and a half per game. Like, he, you know, no receiver long term is gonna really maintain more than eleven per game. We've seen like the last five years. But it does, he was like an obvious candidate for some target regression. Still like a clear WR1 for fantasy purposes. Like I'm not not ragging on the guy at all. He's a really good player. He's got the usage. The red zone usage has been there his whole career. Uh, but yeah, I think that the, the Cooks maybe absence possibility does protect Cup from some of that possible regression. Uh, like I said, the, the 49ers defense scares me a little. But I think, you know... You look at it, you know, being probably a narrower target distribution that with Cooks out and just how ridiculous Cup has been. Uh, I guess, I, I guess for me that might come down to like ownership. Like I, I don't think it's a week where I'm super concerned about ownership anywhere. Mm-hmm. But I will be interested to see what people have to say about those lead like wide receivers because yeah, like you pointed out, there's, I mean, you can really make a case for any of them. Yeah, it's like more frustrating than anything else. Like all of them. It's not even like we're like, oh, well, they're like good players, but it's bad matchups. Like they're good players in pretty much all good matchups. And so, uh, you know, any of them can do well uh, in terms of like uh, of team stacks. I, I immediately think of Houston just because Will Fuller like finally exploded. And so if you're playing Watson and you're stacking that game is Hopkins the first guy you go to or is it Hopkins or is it Fuller or do you definitely play both? Uh, you can't really game stack that and play both of those guys because unless Tyreek Hill is out and we end up with like a you know, Pringle getting the start and you can pay down a little bit there. But how do you, how do you attack the Texans at least? Since I think that's a game a lot of people would at least be looking at. Yes. It's funny you say that because my like, my sort of philosophy on game stacks has always been like, you don't, you don't take a quarterback and then fade a guy who has like target share above 25%. Like you don't take breeze and fade Michael Thomas. You don't take Watson and fade Deandre Hopkins. You might add Will Fuller. You might add Alvin Kamara, Ted Ginn or whatever, but like, you're just, you need too many things to go right then. And you're still only talking about two pieces of your, you know, nine man lineup. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you are right that like a Watson huge game and a Fuller huge game without Hopkins doing well, Hopkins, which did happen last week, you still need to get the rest of your lineup right. So like you need to be right on three things. Um, and, you know, obviously like a Hopkins is going to have a strong correlation with the Watson. Uh, so you know, last week maybe made me like temporarily rethink that because I had all these lineups with Watson, Hopkins and Fuller. I was like, damn, if I had just used like, you know, Michael Thomas instead of Hopkins and then spent up on McCaffrey instead of Fournette, like I would have won, blah, blah, blah. But you could do that every week. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I think if I'm using Watson and I think Hopkins will be because of the, you know, the recent like, I don't know if you want to say struggles, but just not getting a ton of targets and not getting in the end zone. Uh, recent fantasy struggles, we'll say, I think will be like lower owned than some of those other guys up there. Uh, and like, like I said, I think the long term, the, the price difference between Hopkins and Fuller right now is like it was way higher than it should have been last week and the week two weeks before. And now it's like over overcompensatingly closed. Right. Uh, yeah. So I think I, I would consider doing like the triple stack and trying to fit it in with like a cheap tight end. You know, I mean, now that like those defenses are basically free if you go for the bottom of the barrel defense, mm-hmm. there's some ways to like manipulate it. 
but it does sort of force you into like a roster construction where you like look at one or two spots in your lineup at the end and you're like, uh, like maybe I can fiddle around a little and like not have Adrian Peterson or Kenny <laughs> Drake in my running back, you know? Oh man, you walked right into my joke too, man. Ah. <laughs> um, so we have the Hopkins uh, Fuller issue. Uh, you mentioned Michael Gallup before. Do you think because he's so cheap, or at least cheap to the production that we're we're expecting, do you think Amari Cooper goes fairly underowned? I was wondering the same thing because to me, uh, I looked at the three games they played. Gallup actually has an advantage, twenty nine to twenty eight target advantage, and I'm I mean I have a little bit of a pro Michael Gallup bias. I have to admit it. I was talking to my friend earlier this summer, and I was like, isn't there like a 23% chance that Michael Gallup is better than Amari Cooper? He's like, no, you're just you're just making that up. And I was like, but why not? Like, Amari Cooper is not that great. And Michael Gallup was good for a rookie, played mm-hmm. well. I, I still don't necessarily – I'm not saying that Gallup is better than Cooper. Probably chances are that Cooper has been a good player over a longer sustained period. But it could be like closer to 1A and 1B more so than like 1 and 2. Yep. Um, but Cooper did have 200 yards last week. And yeah. like, usually a guy who has 200 yards is regardless of, you know, other good options on the team, other good options in the price range. Uh, he's still going to have decent ownership. Like there's still going to be like, you know, people who maybe rely on game logs too much, uh, or just saw the Cowboys in and that like game that was on in like every house in the country. Cause it was a late game with only one other game on at the same time. Uh, so I, I think, I think the that Gallup is the much stronger play when you look at the prices, but I think the ownership will be maybe only slightly in favor of Gallup. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, do you look at the Minnesota guys at all? Yeah, I mean, I think the Allen. I was like, were you surprised to see his price basically the same as last week? I was, yeah, um, because I mean, obviously, it's not just a one week uh, adjustment, but. Yeah, it's it, truly exactly the same. The only thing I can say is like, oh, well, the matchup uh, is much easier, uh, is, uh, was easier last week, but it's not all that different, to be honest. I mean, like Philly really hasn't been good at all against the past. They're at home this week. And so I guess like I'm okay with the price being the same, but that doesn't mean I think he's not underpriced. Yeah, I think yeah, they think the, the matchup is a little different. Like, I think the the Eagles' pass defense isn't as like pathetic as the Giants. True, true. But they also have an offense that can like keep up. So, mm-hmm. like, you know, Kirk. I mean, Kirk Cousins. Like, I think because the passing game was productive last week, there was talk of like, oh, like you know, the Vikings have like figured out their thing. Like, no, they still only threw the ball twenty seven times. Yeah, right. <laughs> which is is totally fine to throw the ball twenty seven times. Like. I have no problem with it when you're, you know, up by 15, 18 points in the second half. But this game, you know, I tend, I think the the Eagles, think the Vikings are a three point favorite. I think it's really more of a pick them in my mind. Uh, and so I think, you know, we're going to see Kirk Cousins over thirty pass attempts for. I think he's only that's only happened twice this year. Uh, and in those games, Stefan Diggs was actually reasonably productive, combined for like 150 yards and a touchdown in those two games. Did absolutely nothing the other three weeks. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I think I think you know with the difference, the price difference between Diggs and Thielen does make it kind of hard to go after Diggs. Uh, and like I said, it's going to be spread out enough with the ownership at wide receiver this week, where I think we can just pick the guys that we want and not worry too much about it. 
Uh, but yeah, no, I think, I think the alien gives you like, especially if you're on one of those, you know, a Hopkins or a Jones and you're looking through your lineup and there's just like, you know, maybe you want to make a little more room to go up to like George Kittle at tight end over Mark Andrews, like going down to the Allen, like you're not really losing much compared to Jones or Hopkins, if anything. Yeah. I think the, the only hesitation is you need, you need to convince yourself that they're going to let cousins throw. And with the guys above him, you really don't have that concern at all. And so I feel like it's more likely that at the end of Sunday, you look down and you're like, I can't believe the Vikings only threw 23 times. And, but that's like a reasonable outcome. Uh, whereas if you look down and you were like, how does Dak Prescott only throw 23 times, even though they were up big early? Like, I think that's more surprising. So that's my only hesitation on, on both of those guys. Um, the group below it, uh, we have, we talked about Will Fuller, who's at 6,000. We've got Terry McLaurin at 6,000 with this matchup against Miami. Um, Larry Fitzgerald's here. Um, what's the, what's the call in this group? Because I'm not sure any of these guys look that exciting to me until you get to Robert Woods and particularly if Cooks is out and Woods is at 5,600. So is there anyone kind of in between that you think is better than Woods or is Woods like the next logical step? Yeah. I mean, I think Woods is the next logical step. Um, I, there's one guy who I think is probably not going to be very popular, but Alshon Jeffrey, 5,800 at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually like the idea of putting Jeffrey and Thielen together in a lineup. Mm. Uh, you know, both those teams, it's not a game that we, I wouldn't use the quarterbacks. Like, but I think both teams, you know, solid defense is good pass rushes. Uh, but we've seen, you know, the Eagles secondary is weak. So even though they get pressure on quarterbacks, they do tend to give up some passing yards, especially to wide receivers, more so than tight ends or running backs. Uh, and that Jeffrey is just like, he's had seven targets or more in every game this season. I think going into the year, I was a little worried about the target distribution of Philadelphia. But we've basically seen that like Nelson Aguilar is a non-factor, except for the weeks where Jeffrey and Jackson and Goddard were all out. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And we've seen them using more of the past two weeks. They've been really heavy. Like, I think leading the league in usage of 12 personnel with two tight ends. They actually keep Goddard in as a blocker a lot. So it's kind of working out okay for Ertz. We haven't seen the blow-up game. And probably against Minnesota's defense, won't see it this week. But I think think it could be a good game for Jeffrey. Uh, And I think both teams will end up with more than 30 pass attempts. I know for the Vikings, they might have to be, like, dragged into it. They don't want to be up there. But I think just based on the strength of the opponent. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, Fitzgerald is interesting. The, the volume has been down the, for the last two weeks. He was a guy that I think a lot of people, including me, were really excited to roster prior mm-hmm. to that. It was like, oh, he's getting 11 targets per game. Uh, and he's, you know, priced down there with like other guys who are getting maybe seven targets per game. But I'm a little little hesitant after the past two weeks, just like seeing the way that the Arizona offense has operated, uh, kind of strictly on like short passes, and then Murray running the ball and throws to the running backs. It's I feel like we've all been had with the Cardinals. Like we fell <laughs> for it, and it, there'll be a game where where it finally blows up, and all the people who've loved the, the Cardinals will be like, "See, I told you this is what what it was." Even though they've lost money for eight straight weeks, and I just. I just, I'm done falling into it. Um, 
except I'll have Chase Edmonds this week for sure. I just know it's, uh, and I'll just keep, maybe it's the wide receivers I'm going to, I'll be done with. Um, you mentioned uh, Chark before at 5,500. He's $100 more than, or less than Gallup, excuse me. Uh, both of those guys just seem so underpriced for everything, for the matchup, for their production that we've seen. Uh, I think both of them will, will probably be pretty popular uh, in cash games. Uh, what's the thought? I mean, is there a realistic Jacksonville, New Orleans game stack? Yeah, I like I like Minshew, uh, Minshew, Chark, and Kamara. Mm-hmm. I think I usually don't favor using a running back in a game stack, but when you look at a Kamara or a McCaffrey who gets a you know large portion of their production on passes, you're not not as worried about that. Uh, or if you're looking way down the price scale too, uh, but yeah, no, I think I mean I would even I don't love DD West. I was gonna say, I, would you go I, deeper? Yeah. <laughs> I don't love D.D. Westbrook at his price, like based on the production and the fact that he draws like a lot of like short area targets. You know, Chark is the guy who gets the red zone, looks deep, looks the high value stuff. But you look like D.D. Westbrook actually has the same number of targets as Chark. And he's put up like 150 yards over the past two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had three drops the first three weeks of the season. Uh, and he's actually a guy who another one who I wrote about in my matchups column that came out Thursday because Saints uh, slot cornerback P.J. Williams has allowed third most yards this year in slot coverage, eighth most per cover snap in slot coverage. Uh, last week got beat on like for like 67 yards, I think, on four targets to Chris Godwin. Not that there's like any shame in that. Uh, but we also we've seen like Cooper Cup have a blow up game against the Saints. Uh, and really that they've just Tyler Lockett had his best game of the season. Like guys who primarily work out of the slot have just been killing the Saints all year. Uh, and that's not to take away from Chark. Like he'll probably probably get matched up with Marshawn Lattimore mostly, which we've seen has been generally a fine thing. Like Lattimore makes a lot of plays, but he also gives up a lot of plays. So yeah, I don't love the price on D.D. Westbrook. Like honestly, I think he should be priced lower, and then I could be excited about doing it. <laughs> um, but yeah, it makes you know if you're going that approach of stacking the game, uh, that he would be the reasonable reasonable like fourth wheel. I do think it's like hard to talk myself into him over Cortland Sutton at the same price. That's exactly Oops. where I was going. Yeah, Sutton's a hundred dollars, hundred bucks cheaper. Yeah, he's cheaper. He's like better, and he's putting getting like the same volume at, and his quality. Right? Like we talk about, like the you know the the value of the targets. Like a D D Westbrook target is like four yards downfield with the defensive back a yard and a half away from him. <laughs> the Cortland Sutton targets and the talent that we've seen from Cortland Sutton. Uh, you know, his, his looks are more valuable. So yeah, I think it's, I think I'd probably lean more in that direction over Westbrook, but I'm not saying I wouldn't do it in one lineup. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. I like Sutton a lot. Um, and even, I feel like Emmanuel Sanders is always more of a cash play just because, uh, theoretically he's getting, uh, more receptions, although it really hasn't been that productive recently. I mean, um, He's dealing with like a knee injury too, which uh, never helps matters. But uh, the guys just below him, we have Auden Tate's kind of here after last week. He's got a price bump now that um, he had one good game. Uh, DK Metcalf, not really the ideal matchup at Cleveland, but do any of those guys or kind of the ones below it um, interest you at all? Or are we going to talk about Devontae Parker? Yeah. 
Oh yeah, you, you just got to go all the way down. Devontae Parker, uh, Preston Williams, mm-hmm. Albert Wilson's back this week. Jakeem Grant, break out, break out the whole gang there. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, Josh, you can do it. Josh Rosen, Kenyon Drake, and then four Miami wide receivers. I don't know. Uh, I mean, I think we're giving away too much. Yeah, I don't. No, I don't want to. I was gonna be the only lineup of the millionaire maker with that. I was gonna have like thirteen thousand in remaining salaries. Yeah. I read something somewhere about that's like not optimal strategy, but you know, it's it'll be low owned. Too so. easy. It's too easy this week. It's like going all in with like seven two offsuit, right? No one expects it, so you got to play surprise sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> but on a more serious note, um, I yeah, I think most of the guys you mentioned, I'm kind of with you on like the uh, like okay, Auden Tate was fun at thirty five hundred, maybe but forty five hundred. It's a little much in Metcalf. You know, an okay matchup at Cleveland, but he's losing some work to David Moore the past couple weeks. Uh, and he's, you know, he's getting like, he's getting high value targets, but not quantity of targets. Like, even if he does have a big play, which we saw last week, he had like a 40 yard touchdown yep. and still finished with like, what, 11 or 11 12 or something. yard <laughs> points. Like, right. That was the only thing he did. Um, so, a guy I like more in that range is Muhammad Sanu. Uh, you know, again, getting back to that Falcons Cardinals game. Uh, and I think I think the ownership. You look at his like per game production relative to his price. It's been good. He's over seven targets per game. He uh, had the touchdown last week. But I think the Atlanta offense is a little tricky because you look at it right now, and you've got including the running back Devonta Freeman. You've got five guys who are getting like at least a handful of targets per game, mm-hmm. uh, which certainly is like frustrating for anyone who's been using Julio Jones. But I think, you know, looking at Sanu is like the cheapest out of all those guys. And he really, in terms of volume, hasn't been far behind, uh, even has been a little ahead of Ridley, I believe. Yep. Yeah, Ridley's been pretty disappointing recently. Yeah, he fi- finally last week, like, had had a good game. That was like another one of those where I had a lot of lineups with Watson, Fuller, Hopkins, and Ridley. And I was like, oh, I got Watson and Fuller. I'm fine. But like everyone else had like Watson, Fuller, and like Michael Thomas. Mm-hmm. Said, you know what I mean? Like the having like Calvin Ridley's like whatever it was, 14, 15 points last week wasn't super helpful. Right. In a week where there were like seven wide receivers with 35 plus PPR <laughs> points. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's a bummer when like you finally nail the right one, but it comes in a week when everybody is well above. Um, any interest in the Jets? guys yeah so actually the the first like when i just my first click through back on uh monday the first lineup i put together was a dak prescott michael gallup robbie anderson stack so i was just like well robbie anderson at four thousand, like i get that we don't really know that much about sam darnold but like Look what they did! Look what they did together late last season. I just think that that yeah, that Anderson is cheap. He's a boomer bust guy, definitely. Yeah. Like just the you know being a guy who gets deeper looks and not in a particularly reliable or good offense. Uh, but yeah, I don't want to like jinx you guys here, but I do think that like Robbie Anderson at that price is tempting. Uh, a little less tempted by Jamison Crowder probably a guy we think of more of like as a cash game play than a tournament play just because it's just all dink and dunk type targets i consider jameson crowder like the all-time cash game trap like he'll have he had that one huge game in week one and everyone's like oh he's like darnold's guy and there are going to be plenty of games this year where he has like 
three catches on five targets and everyone's like, Oh, what happened? And it's like, he, he's just not, he, he's just not the guy. It's as simple as that. Uh, going further down. Is there anyone who, uh, looks good to you? No, I re- I mean, I really like, uh, one guy I think I, that very briefly caught my eye was Trey Quinn for Washington, just based on like the target volume uh, the fact that with Keenum, he was getting looks. And I remember, like, I was watching the Giants-Redskins game a few weeks back, and somehow Trey Quinn, like, broke wide open deep twice down the middle of the field, and Keenum overthrew him. Missing both times, yeah. But, yeah, like, yeah, you're, you're we're dealing with, like, a, a kind of bad slot receiver with a pretty terrible quarterback and, like, this coach who maybe just is going to, like, run the ball, even if it means losing to the Dolphins, like, a bunch. So, yeah, no, I, th- I think there's enough there where it's just to like, go up to Robbie Anderson or just keep going up higher to Sanu, Sutton. Like, I I don't see it, like, you know, usually if I'm looking this low at wide receiver, it's because I'm trying to fit in, like, McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley into, yeah. like, the same lineup. Like, I just don't – I don't see it as being a week where I need to do that. Uh, maybe if you're talking about a lineup with, like, Mahomes, Kelsey, and Kamara in it, but – it's not that's not like a construction that I'm I'm leaning toward right now. Uh, the only two guys I want to talk about that still fit that construction: um, Kiki Kuti, who really was awful last week. Even though it seems like he has enough of a history with Watson when he's healthy that he can perf- outperform a thirty five hundred dollar price. Um, and then uh, Byron Pringle, if Tyreek Hill doesn't come back, I know it sounds like he's more likely to, but. Do either of those guys uh, warrant consideration? Yeah, no, I think I think that they fit in nicely with uh, Houston, Kansas City game stack, mm-hmm. especially because you look at the prices. Like, right, like you kind of mentioned with Pringle, like if you want to do Watson, uh, Fuller, Hopkins, uh, which you know, getting into that a little more, like going back to the beginning of last season, that the, all three of them actually had a strong positive scoring correlation, including Fuller and. Um, Hopkins, which you don't usually expect to see because they're competing for targets, maybe speaks like the inconsistency of that Houston offense. Like some weeks it's just dominant and other weeks it's totally nothing. I don't know that that's like a super actionable trend that we can necessarily say, yes, it will or won't continue. But yeah, no, I think with, and you look at Kiki QT that if they fall behind, they're going to be forced into more 11 personnel last week. Part of the reason he was disappointing, he actually did have a big gain. But the Texans ran a lot of 12 personnel with two tight ends out on the field, uh, especially in the second half while they were protecting that lead. In Kansas City, I expect them to be playing from behind, which probably means more snaps, more routes for QT. Uh, yeah, he's not hes not like, uh, oh, man, I need to need to have this guy in my lineups. But, yeah, especially if you're going like if you're going with the Mahomes Hill stack, uh, it's, it's interesting to the idea of maybe playing QT on the other side of it to help leave some room for running backs yeah Uh, also the chiefs have struggled to get covering the slot this year kendall fuller who kind of had been like thought to be their best cornerback certainly i was of that opinion and i'm kind of having to reassess because yeah the chiefs have had some issues with covering the slot in the middle of the field uh and the outside corners have actually been like a pleasant surprise uh so it's not enough to like scare me away from hopkins necessarily but it's at least one of those things to kind of keep in mind if it fits with the rest of the roster Okay. Uh, speaking of that Kansas City-Houston stack, uh, moving to tight ends, we obviously have Travis Kelsey, unsurprisingly, at the top of the salary scale, 7000 on DraftKings. 
and 7,500 on FanDuel. He, I feel like Kelsey is the kind of player where like there's never really a reason not to play him other than lineup construction. Like he's a really good player. He's at a position that um, is getting deeper. So we can, I'll put it that way, but he's by far the best one. And now it's a game that is expected to have 150 points in it. So is, do you think Kelsey is a guy that's like worth prioritizing or are we kind of wasting salary because the guys that are kind of below him are good enough? Yeah, I, you, I mean, you made a really good point. Like Travis Kelsey is never a bad play because he's going to end up as the highest scoring tight end in like four out of 16 weeks probably. Right. Um, so even if he's not a great value, there's like a decent chance that he's going to end up in like the lineups that win huge tournaments. Um, also, like I think when we talk about – we often look at like – you know what we expect from a player relative to salary but there's also in terms of each selection there's like the opportunity cost of a roster spot uh, and i think with kelsey he's just like the guy who has like the best chance out of all players to be the highest score at his position uh like more likely to strike magic with a cheap wide receiver than a cheap tight end mm-hmm. um having said that and i'm like a chronic travis kelsey rosterer like if you look go back and look through my lineups the past few years. Like you're just going to see a whole lot of Travis Kelsey and Sterling <laughs> Shepard. Uh, one of those two has worked out for me. One mm-hmm. of those two is not, <laughs> but those are, those are like my guys who I seem to consistently run with. Um, but yeah, this week I really, I just, I like George Kittle a lot. Like mm-hmm, me too. He's just, he's a lot cheaper. Uh, he looked, you know, really good last week. His target share is still like the dominant stuff we saw last season. It's just like we talked about with Jarapo. Like he, they haven't had to use him yet. Like Kittle's still drawing a quarter of their targets. It's just that it's been, and he's still been efficient per target. It's just that it's been a small number because they've only played bad teams. Uh, so this, you look at maybe Jarapo. I'm a little scared of playing a tougher defense with Kittle. I'm kind of like kind of into it because I'm like, okay, they'll actually need to use him you know it's not going to be like one of these against the Bengals. he had like 60 yards on three targets they're like you know basically he's run blocking or off the field mm-hmm. uh so yeah I, re- I like kittle this week but you know if you're if you're stacking the houston kansas city game uh it's you know i'm not not really going to make an argument against travis kelsey even seeing that the texans have defended tight ends well this year yeah <clears throat> the reason i liked kittle or I like Kittle so much that I'm like not even looking at Zach Ertz, um, which I think he's going to be much lower owned than he usually is because Kelsey's got this great matchup. Uh, Kittle looks really good. Austin Hooper is now the next up of the tight ends against Arizona. And that's always going to grab some people uh, looking that way. So I think it's an interesting, at least from a ownership perspective week on Ertz, but in terms of like actual, raw fantasy points. I just don't see him uh, nearly as reliable as Kittle or even Hooper. Um, do you feel the same or do you think Ertz is actually like going to be popular and people are going to be, uh, and he's going to outperform these other guys? Yeah, you're, I'm, I'm with you. I think he's going to be low owned. And I think that's, I think that's the right call. Um, there's just Kittle is like a better player uh well maybe that's 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 more subjective but uh <laughs> i'm i like never zach Ertz is like my anti-travis kelsey he's like 
I'll use him like on a week like where they had uh, where basically the entire rest of their team is injured. That's how I feel. Um, like Same or way. like last year there was like I think a week with Nick Foles where it was like that was just like the obvious stack was Foles and Hurts. But yeah, I think when you look at I think Hooper Kelsey's just always going to get ownership. Like anytime someone has their own price tier at their position, even if they're <laughs> a bad play, they get their they get at least like that guarantees ten percent ownership basically. Um, and Kelsey is not a bad play, as we discussed. So, yeah, Kelsey will be popular. Kittle will be popular because he's underpriced. Hooper will be popular because he's, like, actually, I think, leading tight ends in scoring. He's up there, at least, in the mm-hmm. top three. And he, he's playing the Cardinals. Um, my preference is to go with Kittle and then, like, maybe use Sanu as kind of a Hooper fade because I think Hooper will be popular. Mm, okay. And they kind of compete for some similar targets over the middle of the field. Uh, and Sinu is also cheaper, so but yeah, there's there's some some good options in there at the the upper range tight end. I guess my question was like, do you? Because I couldn't find anything. Like, do you see anything lower down at tight end for different types of roster constructions? Uh, when I uh, looked initially, and we uh, talked about this very briefly before we start taping, uh, Noah Fant jumped out at me at twenty nine hundred, and then it's like, all right, let me like really look into this and i'm like okay he is absolutely earned this twenty nine hundred dollar price and <laughs> i'm not sure i really need to go in that direction um not that like tight ends a position i i start with but uh you know when you when you look for at each position like i look at value first i kind of scroll from the bottom up and so i'm like oh okay like that makes sense and then you're you're going up and you can try to convince yourself that like gerald everett is starting to like become a bigger part and if cooks isn't there then like but like the the passes that would go to cooks really shouldn't go to Everett. Uh, and then you're like, you keep scrolling and all of a sudden you're like, wait, I'm already at Hooper at 5,000. Like I skipped over Andrews. I skipped over Disley Witten. I never play. I haven't played his entire career. I'm not going to start now. And so it's kind of weird that like, uh, it, it seems like a week where you should be paying up a tight end just because we don't have any obvious, even matchup situations where like, you're like, Oh yeah, I'm going to go play. Um, you know, the when Disley was cheap against Arizona, you were like, all right, well, everybody's going to go there. And then last week, everybody played Eifert, and that was garbage. But, like, I guess Chris Herndon was, like, the possible option this week. And I actually really like him as a player, but now it sounds like he's not going to play because of his hamstring injury, fresh off of a four-game suspension, which is just such classic Jets. Um, so, yeah, it's like I – there's it, the drop-off is staggering. Um and I think it starts at Hooper, which is really disappointing because there's only three guys ahead of him, two of which I'd be willing to play. Yeah, I'm. I'm like, yeah, I was. I was like hoping you were gonna come up with some magic for me, but I was like, I was like, I'm pretty sure. Like, I've, I've, you know, looked through it and I've looked at projections, and there's like nobody with a good point per dollar projection. Gerald Everett is decent. Um, but no, other than that, like no one, you know, Mark Andrews, I guess, okay, but he's sort of still in that same price range with Kittle and Hooper and Disley uh, and Ertz. They're all kind of yeah. crammed in there. And I'm just like, man, like, how am I not playing Kittle out of those guys? <laughs> um, yeah, I totally, yeah, totally Gerald, agree. I can, I can talk myself into Gerald Everett because he's good. He's a good player. Um, and if you know, last week they used a lot more of the two tight end formations, even before Cooks was hurt, which was interesting. I don't really, I was trying to kind of figure that out, like what inspired that. We saw last year after Cup was hurt that McVeigh, who you know we had always known for just using like eleven personnel, like 
95% of the time, strictly. Mm-hmm. He started to use those two tight end formations with Higby and Everett, but then neither of them, like, it didn't help Everett emerge as a fantasy asset because the Rams' offense just became worse without Cup and because Higby also started to see some more targets. Right. Uh, so I'm a little, like, hesitant. Like, I feel like I've already bought into Gerald Everett and seen the same, like, mediocre production, even <laughs> if talent seems to be there. Like, we've had a few different reasons now over the years uh, and that it's just like he'll just never be a priority in their passing game. So I think I just what I did right now was just totally talked myself out of like a not that great idea. I was having. So <laughs> hopefully anyone listening, like you know, if you're on Gerald Everett, like he's a he's a perfectly good like for a season long league. He's perfectly good for like a streamer in a week where we're talking about Darren Waller on bye, Evan Ingram out with injury, but. For DFS, it's like, man, find other places to uh, save the budget and just just go get Kittle. I think there, if, you know, the we talked about um, Johnson possibly being out for Edmonds, and if Gurley's out, then we get some savings there, and you can kind of save, like, if you really like the, the Cowboys, you don't necessarily have to go to Cooper at wide receiver. You can go to Gallup. Chark is, is cheap, so, like, um, if the roster construction is there where you're like, I only have 4,000 for a tight end, which means you're prioritizing other guys over Kittle or Kelsey or Hooper, I guess. Um, I think Everett is definitely the pay down tight end option, but I also am not sure that's the roster construction you need to be using. I'll put it that way. Yeah, that's, that's where I am basically. Yeah. Like my initial lineup, was which is really this is like really rare like i feel like it's usually you're looking for more like you know low value low price value and then like what superstars are in the good spots but like my initial first look lineup this week was like Gallup, uh kittle uh robert woods um dj chark uh chris carson it was like all guys in that like on DraftKings in that like 5,000 to 6,500 range where I feel like usually most weeks I have like one guy in that range. Like, that's usually the range where I'm like, those are like the, those are like the sucker plays. Like the guys cheaper than them have like the same, almost the same ceiling and the guys higher than them have like higher ceilings and like, you know, more volume stability. But this week I'm just like all, you know, loading up on those mid-priced guys which maybe if i'm doing if that's my first look that's probably what a lot of people are doing so maybe you can like get some unique roster constructions without low-owned players if you're you know using like kamara and elliot and then go down for like i don't know sanu gerald everett whatever the other uh guys who are cheap with pretty good projections are yeah i think it's essentially just also a result of the schedule like uh, not that everybody's like dying to play Patriots, but like we've got Patriots Giants on Thursday. So like if Barkley was healthy, like he would be off the slate. This Panthers Bucks is early. So we lose um, McCaffrey, not to mention like Godwin and Evans and Winston guys who were like, we're used to, you know, considering to pay up for like, you want to save for guys like uh, the Sunday night game is Pittsburgh against the Chargers. So no Eckler, no Keenan Allen, uh, Detroit Green Bay on on Monday night, you know, theoretically Devonte Adams, if he was healthy, like these are expensive players that are the reason we want to pay play low or low price guys because like, Oh, we want these guys also. And with all of those guys off the slate, you're right. It's like, I, I feel like I'm now like, am I overpaying for um, Dalvin? You know, I am overpaying for Dalvin cook at 8,400 or um, Ezekiel Elliott. 85 is still priced as if 
he's last season's guy and we just haven't seen that yet. So um, I agree. I think it's going to be a week where there's not a lot of stars and scrubs and maybe that's a little bit of the, um, a little bit of differentiation, which obviously means Gerald Everett um, and his three touchdowns. So uh, let's go to defense uh, very quickly here. Cowboys are at the top. um, And I think Darnold being back makes them a bad play. Not that I think the Cowboys defense is, is a bad play, but I don't think you necessarily need to spend that much money on the Cowboys, not against um, the Jets seventh string quarterback. So um, are you paying up for the Ravens? Is this, are you going to, are you going to watch your defense in person? It's, it is fun to watch your defense in person, but no, I'm not gonna, it's, it's like, it's a hefty price for a defense that's been bad mm-hmm. and the Bengals offense has been bad, but it hasn't been like dolphins level bad. Like that's, for the price that it's asking for the Baltimore defense, like I need the opponent to be like Miami level, like historic yeah. levels of awful. Uh, and I think there's there's plenty of like good stuff in that middle range, or just like go all the way down. Now that the the pricing algorithm has apparently changed, <laughs> uh, we do have fifteen hundred for the Jets on on um, DraftKings and seventeen hundred for the Bengals. Oh, and the Cardinals are nineteen hundred. Um, I don't think I've ever seen three below 2000. That's crazy. Um, the one that caught my eye was the 49ers at 2700 on on DraftKings. It the um, what are they 3500 on on FanDuel. Uh, the like you said, like they really haven't played anyone that good, but they've been like dominant. And with the how poorly um, Goff has been in terms of holding on to the ball. I think last week broke a streak of 13 games in a row with a fumble. He didn't lose them all, but like he had lost three in a row. Um, but just, it seems like they he can get a little turnover prone and with the way that the 49ers can get to the quarterback, that a little pressure and golf could, could be a little turnover happy, which at 2,700 for the 49ers seems pretty cheap to me. Yeah, I think it's a good play. Um, I'm like still the the Rams are a little confusing right now. There's just a lot of lot of factors there. Like we're seeing golf not playing as well as last year, uh, and their offensive line it, it was a lot. They did look golf and the offensive line looked a lot better last Thursday at Seattle. Uh, but Seattle's also a team that all year has really struggled to pressure the quarterback. Yeah, uh, there's part of me that's just like, look, this this Rams team. It's like all the same guys that were so great the last two seasons. Like they brought back four or five starters, and they're all healthy from what was like a top five offensive line last year. And the result is like a bottom five offensive yeah, it's line. Weird. I'm just like a little. I'm confused how that happens. Like, and you know, the one guy who's really old, Andrew Whitworth is like the one who's still been good. So it's all (laughs) kind of, but yeah, I think when you're talking about like how good the Niners defense is and like, we don't know what to make of the Rams offense and that they're priced down that low, that's a good play. Um, It might not be the best cash game play. Um, I think it's a reasonable cash game play. I think I would lean toward Washington at Miami. I know that, sounds risky but i'm i'm like a big believer in quality of offense being more important than quality of defense not just in terms of team defense 
streaming, but just like and team defense selection, but just like in general, in terms of like dictating outcomes in football games, uh, like just kind of a saying that it's like sixty percent offense, thirty percent defense, ten percent special teams. Fifty-five and thirty-five is probably more accurate than sixteen thirty. Um, but I do, I do think there's truth to that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think getting back to the 49ers, like, yeah, it makes a lot of sense. You can see a lot of upside there with their pass rush going against a on and off offensive line. Yeah. They were the only ones that, that I liked you. I mean, you really think the Redskins defense would be okay at 3,200? Yeah. Yeah, I know it's a little. It is a little expensive. I think I was expecting to see it a little bit cheaper. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, I just, I think the Red, the Redskins defense has obviously not been good, but it hasn't been like absolutely dreadful. Like it's still been relative to league average. Like the difference between the Redskins defense and the Miami offense is like the same as like the difference between an elite offense like the Chiefs offense and like whatever some generic like the Broncos offense like it's weird to think of like you think oh the Miami is the 32nd offense and Washington is the 27th defense so like there's not that big of a difference but there in terms of like what that's actually worth I think is a massive difference right uh when you look at like efficiency statistics like DVOA um or like expected points added so it's it's kind of one of those plays that makes people uncomfortable and i do like a streaming defense article and i've already gotten some feedback you know people are like how can you like trust washington it's like well it's just sort of like it's what history suggests is the right play that just like the the quality of the opposing team's quarterback and offensive line really are more important than the quality of the defense itself right right all right it's selling me a little bit selling me a little um are there any players that or defenses play actual players who um we did not talk about that you want to throw out there before we uh finish up here i think we covered it pretty good i think so too Um, yeah no i think i pretty much got everyone that was like top of my list i mean i'm pretty like i'm pretty pretty set on like george kittle and then like dj chark and Gallup. those like middle range wide receivers so i think i am kind of leaning toward maybe the opposite of what I talked about at the beginning where I'm usually like a tight core of game stacks and running backs and then like mixing in the receivers and tight ends. Mm-hmm. I'm almost like the other direction this week of like, okay, I've got my, got my five wide receivers. I like, I've got my one tight end who's going to be in all, probably all my lineups. Uh, and then the running backs, I think we kind of both were talking about that at the beginning. Like, Ooh, there's like, you know, seven or eight guys there kind of probably similar for point per dollar projection. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Uh, if anybody wants to follow up with Jerry, you can find him on Twitter uh, at Rotowire NFL underscore JD, Jerry Donabedian. Um, I also continue to highly recommend his hidden stat line article, which is up on Rotowire now, as well as um, his uh, streaming defenses, uh, his start sit, which is exploiting the matchups, and then obviously his regular weekly DFS tournament strategy article, which will be up on Friday. Um, So thank you to Yahoo Fantasy Sports for sponsoring this podcast. And Jerry, uh, good luck this weekend. Yeah, good luck to you too, Andrew. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. 
Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.